Hello guys and welcome back to another episode of True Crimes and Tony Time. So your girl has been MIA forever and I'm so sorry about that. Just with life and everything coming together, um, I had school, I had YouTube, I just had so much going on, but I am back and I'm better than ever. I miss doing my podcast, I miss all of this. And like I said before, this podcast is gonna become something even bigger. We're gonna be starting doing TikToks with this stuff, we're gonna start doing YouTube videos. So that is the goal of 2020, well the rest of 2020, because there's less than 80 days left of this year's, which is crazy. But I just really want to make this a big thing and not just use Apple podcast you know what I mean so without further ado I'm gonna get straight into this new episode and this is all about the silent twins if you guys have not heard about this story before it's about these girls that basically didn't speak to anybody but each other and there's a lot of stuff that leads up to this and as you guys know I constantly talk about racism and the injustices of not just America but all over the world when it comes to black people this kind of starts through racism if you guys hear the story like believe it or not this story is low-key all comes back and stems from racism and i'm sure some mental health so mental health awareness is a biggie let's talk about mental health let's get into this story um but this story is such a fascinating one and it's so interesting and i think scientists have a run for their money just to try and understand a little bit more about twins and like the super crazy things that they can do like i don't know if you guys have ever heard of twin tuition but it is true it is real I don't necessarily know that because I'm not a twin but I've heard several twins whether I know them personally or I've seen them through media say that they really had this feeling and that they really feel deeply connected to their twins so without further ado I'm going to jump straight into this episode of the silent twins so twins Jennifer and June Gibbons were born in 1963 to Barbadian parents uh, they grew up in a small town in Wales called Hayford West and this town was a very small town. They were not very keen to knowing um, black people. So it was a predominantly white town. And we're gonna go into further details when it comes to that a little bit later on. But I just wanted to note that June was born first um, and Jen was born right after Jennifer. Uh, but Jennifer was always known to be the quote unquote stronger and more dominant twin. One medical expert even said that it seemed as if Jennifer would quote unquote possess June. And that was in quotation, so I don't know if they meant like in like a demonic possession, but the medical expert definitely did state that. And along with that, the girls also described themselves as switching back and forth in each other's bodies or minds. So I don't know what twins, twins are a little bit interesting. It could be a thing, but the girls said it. And medical experts said that, so, hmm, I don't know. But being that they were the only black children, like I stated before, this all goes back to racism and oppression, not just in America, in the entire world, because everybody hates us, but that's besides the point. Let's go back into these girls. These girls were bullied so bad and ostracized so bad that school officials would allow them to leave early. Now, can I just say, what type of mental illness do you have if you feel the need to bully somebody and ostracize them so bad to the point that they had to leave school early because of the color of their skin? Please tell me, please preach that that is not a mental illness, please. Like what in the heck is wrong with people? Just because someone looks different, why do you want to treat them differently? And you know, I can't really count back to when I was seven, but I'm quite sure. When I was seven, 
it never crossed my mind to bully someone else because they were Asian or they were Hispanic or they were white. That makes no sense. And all these people are raising these little mentally challenged children because guess what? If you're a racist, you're mentally challenged. And I do definitely think that is a mental illness, but that's besides the point. Let's get back into these girls and them being bullied and basically these white children <clears throat> causing them to lose their minds. I think that was a large component, but that's besides the point. Let's get right back into this, okay? Now, <laughs> This caused them to seclude themselves like no other. The girls stopped speaking because of this to everyone but each other, including their parents. Because you want to bully children. Oh my God. Okay. I'm sorry. I don't care. I'll fight a seven year old. <laughs> That's besides the point. Like, that makes that, that is insane. And I know it was like the 60s, but 60s and 70s, but dang. Come on. Even in the 60s and 70s, if you were racist, you had a mental illness. I'm sorry. Like, but anyways. Let's get back into this story. So the girls had a special language. It was a private language that they created between each other, which I think is so fascinating because to, in order to teach your own language, you know how hard that is? And for you and someone else to communicate and know what you guys are saying back and forth, like that is definitely amazing. But a close study um, of the speech that they would speak um, was indicated to be rapid fire mashup of English and Barbadian slang. I don't know if it was a mix of English slang and Barbadian slang or just English and Barbadian slang. It was kind of weird, wrong, not wrong, excuse me, a little bit weird, um, but definitely interesting and fascinating, but they needed to do a close study in order to indicate that, which is insane. But therapists thought separating them into um, separate boarding schools would force them to re-enter the world. However, that did not work. Um, and obviously therapists did this because the girls wouldn't speak to anybody. Um, but instead, the girls fell into full-on catatonia, which resulted in neither of them speaking or moving. And if you don't know what catatonia is, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. It's seen in a lot of schizophrenic patients, and it basically means like you don't speak, you don't move, you're just kind of like in a trance, and you just you don't eat, you don't respond. Um, it's kind of uh, like it's 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 bad basically. <laughs> so that resulted in therapists wanting to bring the girls back together. And when the girls came back together, they refused to come out for meals. And I don't know if that was like a fight or something that they were trying to do because they were upset that their parents or the therapist kind of came together to have these girls be separate, but they definitely did fight that. And instead they started using their imaginations more by playing with dolls. So basically they never started speaking again. They just started using their imagination among each other and they created this little world with their dolls. And one crazy thing about these dolls that they would do is that each of these dolls had a specific cause of death that they would write and document into a notebook. And it is a little weird because it's like, why would they, wait, why was it written down? And why do these dolls have to have a death? They all had complicated names and complicated stories. And then a specific cause of death. Who knows if these uh, dolls represented what was going on in their brains. But by the time they were 16, they were only surviving on public assistance. And during this time, they documented their lives in separate diaries. This also documented, these diaries documented the transition of their relationship. These two girls began turning on one another after being so, so close. So in Jennifer's diary, she wrote, we have become fatal enemies in each other's eyes. I say to myself, can I get rid of my own shadow? Impossible or not possible? Without my shadow, would I die? Without my shadow, would I gain life, be free, or left to die? And in June's diary, she wrote, she wants us to be equal. 
There was a murderous gleam in her eye. Dear Lord, I'm scared of her. She's not normal. Someone is driving her insane. It is me. And child, <laughs> guys, that was like, it was so deep. They're really good at poetry, okay? It sounds like a little poem or something, but they're great at writing. And every time like I hear a really good writer, I don't know why, they always give me like murder vibes. I'm like, how can you write that good? Like there's always like, it always sounds like there's like a secret code, but that was definitely fascinating. But the girls later started writing dark novels and one of their novels was about an American boy who was addicted to Pepsi Cola, who was seduced by his teacher. And then they had another story about a boy whose surgeon father transplanted a dog's heart into his body. And uh, that's very interesting stories. And I don't know if they were necessarily dark, but they, I mean, they were vivid. I don't want to say dark, because I feel like dark would be like dismembering bodies or talking about murdering their children. I don't know. It just seemed like they just had like wild imaginations to me. So I think dark fantasies was a little bit exaggerated. But these quote unquote dark fantasies altered into them having very dark behaviors. These girls started drinking and doing drugs, broke into houses, smashed windows, started fires, which ultimately led to their arrest. Um, their arrest led to them being sentenced to being committed into Broadmoor Hospital, which is an infamous high security prison mental hospital where some of Britain's most infamous and notorious serial killers were sent to reside in for the rest of their lives. And in this hospital, the twins decided that one of the twins would have to die so the other could live. And being the stronger one, Jennifer agreed to be that sacrifice. And the girls stayed in Broadmoor for about 11 years. And after those 11 years, they were almost 30 years old. And they were finally released to a less restrictive hospital in Wales. And on the bus ride there, Jennifer laid her head on June's shoulder and said, at long last, we're out. And at that night, Jennifer passed away. Very tragic, very sad. And, and it never stated like when they rekindled their relationship after turning on one another, but I'm sure it was probably in the hospital. Um, but Jennifer's cause of death was an undiagnosed infection of the heart. June ultimately was later released from the hospital about a year later. And in 2000, the New Yorker's Hilton Alls traveled to Wales to meet her. And in his article, he described her being a normal woman, living a normal, if lonely, life. Uh, she was in a halfway house when he visited her, but had since moved to her own apartment. And apparently she visits her sister's grave often. It is inscribed with a poem written by June herself, and it states, We once were two. We two made one. We no more two. Through life be one. Rest in peace. And that is the story of the Silent Twins, a very short story of the Silent Twins. And I always find stories like this so fascinating, um, just understanding twins and understanding like how they biologically are so connected because they always state that they could feel like if their twins hurt, they could feel their twin is sad, they could feel their twin um, is going through something. It's so fascinating to me, but this story is definitely one for the books and I find them just astoundingly interesting. And like I was saying to you guys before, although I do think the girls have always been mentally ill, I also feel like through the bullying and harassing and all that stuff that the school children were doing to them, I don't think that helped at all. Because I feel like if they had more people around them that were 
kind to them, they wouldn't be so closed off. And that was the main thing about them, that they were so closed off and they made such a huge decision to just not talk to anybody because they probably just thought everybody was evil because the way those kids treated them which is depressing and sad. And that just goes to show, stop being racist, stop being ignorant and get better. I don't care if you're five, I don't care if you're 10, I don't care if you're 52. Get it together because it ain't cute and that is not getting you a straight ticket to heaven, all right? Whether you believe in heaven or not, heaven exists, well, that's another story for another day, okay? But that is the end of this episode of True Crimes in Tony Time. I had an amazing time telling this story and just speaking with you all again because I miss doing this. Uh, my podcast is soon going to be available on every single platform, every single podcast platform it will be on. Right now we're just on SoundCloud and we're just on obviously podcasts with Apple. So if you guys want to check me out on any of my social media, all my social media is Tony Brienne. That is T-O-N-I-B-R-Y-A-N-N-E. So check me out. And yeah, I cannot wait to do the next episode of True Crimes and Tony Time. Um, I'm trying to decide which one I want to do. Like there's plenty of ideas that I have. But yeah, I love and I appreciate you all so, so very much. And thank you so much for watching.